Well, good morning, church. Um, Thank you so much again for just joining us today on August 8th, and happy August 8th. It's a beautiful day in Ojai, and I hope it's a beautiful day wherever you are watching from. Um, You know, when I spent time with the Lord this morning, uh, the Lord really impressed a word on my heart, and that word was rejoice. And so I looked up the word rejoice just to kind of get a sense of what does that word mean? And that word really means just being absolutely overflowing with joy, to have abundant joy in our hearts. And I I was reading a number of verses with the word rejoice in it, but really focused in on this one in 1 Thessalonians 5, where Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus For you and me. And so as we just begin our time together this morning uh, in worship, in praise, in teaching, I encourage you to rejoice, to start this morning with a choice to rejoice in Jesus Christ, even through the course of our time together, to be praying without ceasing. And to be giving thanks through our time together for all circumstances. And we all know that we're in some very unusual and at times difficult circumstances. But the Lord has given us in Jesus Christ the ability to rejoice in all of our circumstances. So will you just pray with me as we start our time together today? Father, thank you so much for the reality of Jesus Christ, that he came that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, and that he now lives through the Holy Spirit in us. And Lord, it is in his spirit that we rejoice. It is in your spirit that we pray at all times. It is in your spirit that we give thanks right now, Lord, for all circumstances and in all circumstances. So would you come, Lord, wherever we are sitting right now, wherever we are, and just fill us and prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to receive, to hear, to be in your presence during this time together. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church family. Uh, Happy August 9th as we endure our 21st or 22nd week of uh, uniqueness in worship time. Um, I want to thank everybody that's been so faithful to the Lord and their giving as we come to the time of offering this week, uh, remembering that we accept mail at 1290 Grand Ojai. We've got a mail slot in the door for those of you that like to get out and stretch your legs and come by the campus and and, uh, have a moment. Uh, We've got the online giving through both the church app and our website, and and it's been been utilized uh, tremendously in this time. And as we go to the Lord in prayer about the giving today, again, I just want to thank everyone for being so obedient to the Lord and so diligent in, in difficult times. Let's pray together. Father, we do come to you and and thank you so much for your love for us, for your sacrifices for us, for the ability that we have to return to you a portion of what you've blessed us with, Lord, for your kingdom purposes, for the many many areas of your ministry that that are financed through the the giving and and loving gifts of of those that, that follow and love you, Lord. We just praise you and thank you for what you'll put on the hearts of each one today and that uh, their ability to, to hear your calling and to be obedient to that. We just ask again that you would continue to be with those that are uh, feeling separated, that they would 
that they would be able to utilize the, the love of you that flows through all that believe in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Today, our scripture reading is going to be from uh, the first chapter of Ephesians. Um, It's going to be from the J.B. Phillips New Testament translation. And it's as the foundation of our teaching today and also as a foundation for our life. And I really like this translation. And bear with me. We're going to read from Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Praise be to God for giving us through Christ every possible spiritual benefit as citizens of heaven for consider what he has done before the foundation of the world he chose us to become in christ his holy and blameless children living within his constant care he planned in his purpose of love that we should be adopted as his own children through jesus christ that we might learn to praise that glorious generosity of his which he has made uh, that which has made us welcome in the everlasting love he bears towards the son it is through the son at the cost of his own blood that we are redeemed freely forgiven through that full and generous grace which has overflowed into our lives and opened our eyes to the truth For God had allowed us to know the secret of his plan, and it is this. He purposes in his sovereign will that all human history shall be consummated in Christ, that everything that exists in heaven or earth shall find its perfection and fulfillment in him. And here's the staggering thing, that in all which will one day belong to him, we have been been promised a share, since we were long ago destined for this by the one who achieves his purposes by his sovereign will, so that we, as the first to put our confidence in Christ, may bring praise to his glory. And you too trusted him when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, And after you gave your confidence to him, you were, so to speak, stamped with the promised Holy Spirit as a guarantee of purchase until the day when God completes the redemption of what he has paid for us for as his own, paid for uh, as his own. And that will again be to the praise of his glory. Thank you, Kathy. So as we prepare to worship through song now, pray that uh, you would worship in spirit and truth wherever you are. You want to stand or sit, we just pray that you would worship in spirit and truth, that you would remember that God is good all the time and all the time he is good and we're just going to praise him now. See you. 
are doing well this morning and we hope you enjoyed that video that we just showed that's actually kind of a collection of a bunch of the meet and greets that we've done over the past couple months while we've all been home uh, and not being able to see each other and we realize that seeing me every week for meet and greet 
is not the same as getting to see everyone and each other. So uh, we are, you know, trying to be kind of creative with this, and Tyler's going to share a bit more on how we can kind of do that, uh, you know, to meet and greet, so it's not just me up here uh, looking at you guys. Um, but with that, we are going to do some meeting and greeting. So again, we want to encourage you guys to get your cell phones out and text someone right now. Maybe you're in a group chat uh, and just, you know, we Obviously, we want to, you know, stay connected, even though we're not connected. And so we just encourage you guys to, to continue to do that, not just today, uh, but throughout the week. So let's meet and greet. And Tyler is now going to uh, share some announcements. Good morning, church family. Just want to let you know I love and miss you all very much. And it is August 9th. Um, just to be sure that you guys know that. i got to share a little story. So yesterday, I got an email from somebody was saying, I can't see the service. I can't see the service. It's not working. I emailed them back and said, it's Saturday. It's not Sunday yet. So that, they were so excited about Sunday. And so Mark is just one day behind. So it's fine. So it's great. I'm just glad that you all can join us this morning. It's just a wonderful Sunday. Um, I have my first announcement this morning is the Wednesday at the well, the 12th, which is going to be at 630. Come and join us. Register online on our website. Just going to be a great time of fellowship, worship, and a little Devo, and it's going, to be, it's going to be church. So please sign up. Please come and join us. And also, Jordan was mentioning about um, the meet and greet. If you'd like, email me or text me just a little short little video clip of you just waving at the camera. I know it was like pulling teeth to get people to do a meet and greet video. So this is not scary at all. Just send me a quick little video of you waving, and that's it. You don't have to speak. You don't have to do anything. And then we're going to put it up the clause because it is important to see one another during this time. So now we want to see what Kingdom Kids have in store for us. So let's see the Kingdom Kids. for turning into Kingdom Kids News. I'm Marge. Hey, last week we learned that prayer is communicating or talking with God. Now we may not be able to call God on the telephone or send him a letter, but prayer is just as real as an email or newspapers. But why should we pray? Let's head out to Ruth in the field and see what we can find out. Thank you, Marge. I found out in the Bible that praying makes our relationship with God stronger. Could you imagine having a best friend and not being able to communicate with them? Or going to school and trying to learn but there were no teachers to talk to? Prayer is seeking God in his direction for our lives. Praying is also help, helps keep us out of trouble. Jesus told us to pray. Like the Bible verse, Matthew 26:41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Prayer helps keep us focused on Jesus and doing the right thing. Plus, we can pray anytime, anywhere. God is available for us every second of every minute of every day. And God is awesome. Back to you in the studio, Marge. Thank you, Ruth. And when we pray, God wants us to pray with all of our heart. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says... You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We should pray and be focused on God and not half-heartedly. We should not pray just so people will think that we are godly. 
all of our focus should be on the conversation between God and you. Well, that's it for our Kingdom Kids News today. Have a great week. And remember, pray with all your heart. Have a great week, guys. See you next week. Good morning again, church family. I just wanted to introduce um, Reed Jolly. He gets to deliver the word to us today. And I just want to little, tell you a little bit about him, um, not to make fun of his age, but his brother was my youth pastor. So that puts it in sort of perspective. But, but Steve's my, the older brother. My older brother. He's like 25 years older than I am. Yeah, okay, 25, yeah. And um, Reed's going to be preaching on um, deception this morning about how not to lie about your age. So, no, I'm kidding. He's going to be picking up in Ephesians. So it's just a great opportunity to have Reed here. Um, he has the great opportunity to shepherd my parents, and he's been in part of my parents' life for years and really has helped them out through struggles and stuff. So thank you for that, Reed. I just wanted to publicly say that. And Reed, it's all yours. Amen. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to say it's good to be back with you, but you are not here. Uh, Lisa and I were here in October, and we've been talking about this church since then as, as possibly, in the history of Christianity, the most friendly church that uh, has ever existed. And now, you, and now you're not even here, but, uh, but thank you for the invite. It's a privilege to open the Word, and Lord willing, someday I'll come back and, and we'll all be here together. But uh, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. I know you've been in studying Ephesians with Richie for a good long time now. I think there's been a couple of weeks off. Uh, but So I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. If you're in your Bibles, and I hope you are, or if you're on your phones, I hope you aren't. But if you are, go to Ephesians chapter 4, and this is uh, God's word. I therefore, Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth, He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. And we all say together, thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Okay, you are now uh, somewhat experts in the book of Ephesians. 
The first three chapters are uh, largely doctrinal. Uh, loved the reading this morning from chapter 1 from J.B. Phillips. But Paul goes on and on and on for three chapters talking about, uh, broadly speaking, the doctrine of reconciliation. That we were alienated from God himself and that he reconciled us to himself and himself to us. And not only that, so pertinent in, in these days of, of what's gone on in our country he has reconciled us one to another in the body of Christ. Now, in the Ephesus context, it was Jews and Gentiles, which means it means the Jews and everybody else. And, and Paul says, God has made you one body. This reconciliation was according to God's divine plan. He's the one who did it. And this reconciliation created a new community uh, devoid of religious class, race, and even sexual intimacy. Enmity, easy for me to say. God created a new family in Christ. Okay, now look at your Bible again. Look at the first word of chapter 4. It says what? It says, but. Uh, There's this this, uh, change, Paul says. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Okay, you have spent two weeks, I understand, in those first verses. And so we're going to go right on to our text, which begins in verse 7. And I have one point I want to make today. And if you get this in your living room or wherever you are watching this, I will be one happy preacher and email somebody, Tyler, and tell him that you got the point. But the point is this, that Christ gave gifted people to enable his people to use their gifts. Now, does that sound a little bit like a tongue twister? You're going to hear it enough times that you'll understand it. Christ gave gifted people to enable his people to use their gifts. The Christian life is not a a grit your teeth and get there kind of religion. Because of my age, very young, of course, but I I was a young man at the time when marathoning was coming on and you had to run a marathon or you simply weren't worthy of calling yourself a human being. You know, just everybody had to run a marathon. I've never really liked running, but I ran three of them, which is the dumbest three things I've ever done in my life. And, but it's kind of almost worth it because of, the, of what happens in the last five miles. And no matter if you're a world-class marathoner or, or, or a klutz like myself, those last five miles, no matter how much you're eating, you are simply out of calories and it's mind over matter. You just have to grind it out. And I think a lot of people think the Christian life is that, that we just have to grind it out. Uh, Jesus did not say to the disciples after he was raised from the dead, he didn't say, okay, guys, it's been a great run. I'm going to go off to heaven. I'll see you when I come back. He didn't say that, right? Jesus said, you it's kind of funny. He says, you wait here. Like, wait a minute, Lord. Isn't this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now you just wait. That must have been a little anticlimactic after all they'd seen. He says, you wait here. And as it turns out, in, in 10 days, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you with power. And all those prophecies in the Old Testament are, are coming true 10 days later. And the Spirit gives power to the people of God. So we're not gritting it out. We're living a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, spirit-guided life. The subject of our paragraph this morning 
is spiritual gifts. And we're going to look at three realities of spiritual gifts. We're going to look at the circle of his gifts, the cost of his gifts, and the cultivation of his gifts. So let's get into it. The circle of his gifts. Think with me a minute. Every every group of friends or every organization or every club, the Lions Club, the Rotary Club, the Tennis Club, the Athletic Club, every academic institution, every circle of gathered people has what you might call something of an inner circle. Your fifth grade class has an inner circle. You know what I'm talking about. The cool people, the people that you would like to be like. The movers, the influential. Those who really make things happen. Those who provoke jealousy in you because you would like to be like them. We've all had that experience. All right, here's the question for us. Who is on the inner circle of the church? Or let's personalize it. Who is on the inner circle of the well? (laughs) I'm going to tell you in just a minute. Who are the cool people at the well? Would you look at verse 7 with me? What does Paul say? Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, what does he say there? Each one of us. Paul is talking here about spiritual gifting. This grace is not the grace that brings us to know Christ. This is the grace of our gifting. I like the way the New Living Translation paraphrases this. Christ has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Okay? That means the body of Christ, the church, the well, that means that within the well in the church, every member, get this, every member is indispensable by virtue of his or her spiritual gifting. Now, a few thoughts. We could talk all day about this, and I promise I won't, but a few thoughts about spiritual gifts. Number one, gifts are gifts. They are not earned. They are not merit badges. You don't get a gift uh, because you won a race. It's more like AYSO where everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> yeah, just show, You don't even have to kick the ball in the right direction. You still get a trophy in AYSO. Do they have AYSO in Ohio? Yeah, it's even down here. But, uh, do they have the internet down here? Yeah, okay. Every member of the body of Christ is gifted spiritually by virtue of his or her membership in the body of Christ. This, watch this. The circle of the gifted has exactly the same circumference as the circle of the church. So if you are in Christ, Jesus has given you his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit has gifted you. We're going to find out why in a few minutes. So just for your reference, the New Testament has several lists of spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, and right here in Ephesians 4. And all in all, if you match all those up, there's about 20 different gifts that are listed, and no two lists are identical. 
which tells us a little bit of something. Spiritual gifts, uh, charismata, in, charismata in Greek, uh, is a grace gift. Here's a definition for you. It is a special ability that God has given believers through the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual gift. So some of the gifts that are listed are wisdom, discernment, service, exhortation, giving. That's the gift we all pray we don't have. Uh, teaching, administration, you know, you, you, the list goes on. Now watch this. It's really important. You may not have a particular gift. Let's play with the one on giving. But that doesn't mean you're not to give. I'll illustrate. I have a friend who's got a goodly amount of money, and he feels like it is his job between now and the time he dies to give away that money. It's a lot of money. That's a gift of giving. And you want to be friends with him, don't you? I do too. But uh, he, that's, that's his job, is to, to use channel that money and get rid of it before he dies. Okay, I don't have that gift because I'm hoping I got enough money to get to the first of the year. Okay, it's a different deal. But that doesn't mean I am not to be a giver. And some people are gifted uniquely with discernment. That doesn't mean you're not called to discern. Some people are gifted to be teachers. That does not mean you are not to teach. Everyone's going to teach someone. And we're all called to all of these things. But some of us have special gifting in different areas. Gifts, by definition, are something that we receive. Spiritual gifts are given through the working of God's grace. I'm quoting a commentary here. Believers' gifts are not determined by their preferences, their inclinations, their natural abilities, or merit, or any personal consideration, but solely by God's sovereign and gracious will. God gives the gift. Now, a little little segue here. Have some fun with this in your own mind. Doesn't it seem that sometimes God gives people gifts that are outside of their comfort zone? Not always, but sometimes. You think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a racist. And what does God do with him? He gives him a gift to preach to the races that he hated. I think God has a sense of humor. Moses did not want to be a leader. He said, I'm I'm out here... You know, tending the sheep, that's plenty for me. And God says, no, I want you to go lead a nation just for 40 years. God specializes in this kind of thing. David, if we analyze David's temperament, he seemed to be more of an internal poet, musician, and God calls him to be a warrior. Uh, In our own time, I don't know if you know the name in this church, John Piper. Is that somebody that's talked about? John Piper... uh, Whether you like him or don't like him, I love him, but uh, he's one of the preeminent preachers in the American church for the last 25 years. You know, when he was at Wheaton College, he wanted to be a Bible major, and to be a Bible major, it required you to pray one time in chapel, and he was so terrified at praying one time in chapel, he almost changed his major. I mean, is that not like God, to take someone like that and, and... Give them this gift of preaching. Okay, so gifts are gifts. Gifts are for the common good of the church. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you want to know, if you're using your gift properly, ask yourself the question, Am I, am I serving the church with this gift? That's what they are for. And the third observation, 
we might make is that gifts are for the unity of the church. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says, just as each one of us has one body, here's an analogy here, each of us has one body with many members. So here is my body, I got hands, I got arms, I got a head, I got legs. So one body, many members, and watch what he does with the analogy. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. So the analogy is from Reed Jolly's body to the body of Christ. And right from that point, Paul goes on to talk about spiritual gifts. Gifting is for the unity of the church. And if, if someone's gift is promoting disunity, there's a big problem there. And it's not being used properly. All right. The circle of his gifts. Secondly, the cost of his gifts. Now, this is the hardest part in my passage, and it's also the hardest part in the whole letter of Ephesians. And I'm going to try to do this in two minutes, okay? And I, I don't want to, yeah, amen. I don't, I don't want to confuse anybody, but, but, but it just throws people, and scholars have wasted a lot of ink on this, but Paul says, he's just talked about the fact that we all receive a gift according to the measure of Christ's gift. Uh, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, he gave gifts to men. That is a quotation from Psalm 68. This afternoon, if you want to read an interesting chapter of the Bible, go to Psalm 68. It's kind of hard to categorize, but it basically is showing God as a warrior who triumphs. Now, in the ancient Near East, when a king would go off to battle, you go from, let's say from Ojai to Ventura, and you fight a little battle, and the king of Ojai wins, the king would march back up the canyon with all of the prisoners and march into town and the people of Ojai would clap and cheer, and they would give the king a gift to say, thank you for winning this. And then all these slaves have come into town, so we can take a month off and let them do the work before there's another battle. That picture is used in Psalm 68 of God protecting Israel as their righteous king. And in Psalm 68, the passage says he... uh, received gifts from the people, from men. Paul does something very intriguing here. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he changes it. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, hold that thought. Keep going here, verse 9. In saying he ascended, he's quoting the psalm. He's like a preacher now explaining the verse. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. Do you have a sense of what Paul's talking about yet? He descended to the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Wow. Paul uses this quotation from Psalm 68 and his explanation afterwards to describe the drama of what Jesus has done for us. The cost of giving us spiritual gifts is infinite. God himself, the one who created the universe, the one who's been in fellowship with the Father for eternity, that God became a baby. 
He descended to the lower regions, to the earth. Can you imagine? That's called, theologians call that the condescension of Christ, the, the humility of Christ. C.S. Lewis says, if you want to get the feel for it, ask yourself how you would like to become a crab or a slug. Just God himself becoming a baby. He grows into manhood. He teaches, does a few miracles. He faces Jerusalem. He suffers and he dies. That's the descent, but it's not over. He's raised from the dead, and it's not over. He ascends to the heavens to sit at the right hand of the Father and to govern the universe. That is the one who gave us gifts. The high cost of the gifts is the death of Christ. And at that point, he has vanquished the powers of sin and death, and and he gifts his people. Pretty clear, huh? Okay, good. Third, the cultivation of his gifts. Look at verse 11. It was this Jesus, verse 11 says, who gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is one of the most important verses in the New Testament, in my opinion. I don't know if you've heard this, but Christ gives gifted people to enable his people to use their gifts. It's right here. Again, from the New Living Translation, he is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Four different gifts to enable his people to use their gifts. Main point, Christ gifts people to enable his people to use their gifts. Let's unpack this very briefly. Apostles, there were only 12 of them. And they are foundational to the ministry of the church through the centuries. The prophets in the New Testament, they are much more forth-tellers than foretellers, meaning they speak the Word of God. Uh, They clarify the Word of God. So Paul and Barnabas are not so much forecasting the weather by prophecy. No, they're speaking the truth of God. And in Acts 11, excuse me, Acts 13, verse 1, they are called prophets. Agabus is called a prophet. Agabus is from Antioch, and he goes to Jerusalem, and he warns of a coming famine. So the apostles and prophets are foundational gifts for the church. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, you probably studied this well. Uh, Paul says, we are members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So everything that the well is, is built on that foundation of what God did through the apostles and prophets. The next gift there is evangelists. Who are they? Well, we can't be sure, but quite possibly the missionaries who took the gospel to unreached people groups. We still have evangelists to this day. It's a gift. And then finally, shepherd teachers, or the older translations would say pastor teachers. Pastor is basically a Latin word that's crept into our New Testament and the ESV. And I know you use, just goes with a more literal rendering of shepherds. So let's ask the question. What is the purpose of these four gifts? It's right in the verse. Look at verse 12. Go ahead and look. What is it for? To equip the saints for ministry. Yeah. That word equip means to restore. It's a medical term for the setting of a broken bone, uh, to get it fixed. To 
equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, if, if that means anything, you know what the word ministry means, by the way? The word ministry means service. Uh, do you know the stunning reality that's in this verse is that we are all called to be ministers? So don't ever say that Richie or the elders are the ministers of this church. Well, they are, but you are too, if this is your church. So think, the, the job of a shepherd that has, you know, real sheep, the dumb ones, and have wool, the job of the shepherd is to, to cultivate the sheep and get them to grow really good, thick, healthy wool, which will be shaved off and then sold for a profit. The job of the other kind of shepherd, the pastor, is to equip the church for ministry. And then all kinds of good things will happen both within the church and outside of the church. Christ gifts people to enable his people to use their gifts. Now, in the 21st century, we generally get this about exactly backwards. I mean, we live in the, in the, the cult of celebrity, and that, that cult has affected the church, and, and the internet has exacerbated the trend, but... Uh, but we, we love our famous pastors, and, and we kind of think of the church as a pyramid where you put the man at the top who, who's always 35 years old, and he's kind of cute, and, uh, and he's funny, and, and then he's called either the senior pastor or the lead pastor, and, and we borrow the model from Apple or Google or whatever. We have, we have a, a CEO, that's the pastor, and the recipe for success is, well, you, you buy some property, you build a building, you go online, you have a cool website, a lot of downloads, and then you start multiple campuses, and you put that image of that pastor on the screen, and the job of the people is to come and listen, and then download the sermons and buy the books, and it all works pretty well, and if the pastor's teaching goes a little bit flat, well, then you find a new one. Or you go down the street to the other church. I mean, the way the church conducts her affairs, you would think that this verse says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd teachers so that all the people could honor the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers. That's not what it says. When we read the New Testament, we find, I think, pretty much the opposite. Christ gifts people to enable his people to use their gifts. I like what John Stott said before he died. What model of the church, then, should we keep in our minds? The traditional model is that of the pyramid with the pastor perched precarious, precariously on its pinnacle, like a little pope in his own church, while the people are arrayed beneath him, in ranks of inferiority. And Stott says, it is a totally unbiblical image because the New Testament sees not a single pastor with a docile flock, but a plurality of oversight of elders and an every member ministry. So again, I don't know much about the well. I know I like this church a lot, but let me, let me speak to you who are not very involved. I want, to, I want you to know God has given you a gift. Use that gift for the unity and the building up of the body of Christ. We're going to talk about that more next week. So we've seen the circle of his gifts. 
the cost of his gifts, the cultivation of his gifts. I'm just about done. I want to ask a question. What would happen if the people of the well took this seriously? What would happen? What would happen if we understand, each one of us, that that we are an indispensable part of the body of Christ, that that the circle of the cool people involves all of us? What would happen? What would happen if we understand our grace gifting and then use those gifts for the building up of the body? Church, when we take this passage seriously, we end up with a mature church. And that's what we're going to look at next week. The world will take notice. Ojai will be a little bit different. Christ gifts people to enable his people to use their gifts. Now, I'm going to close with just, just some if-this-is-true statements. If this is all true, I would encourage you, do not envy the gift of other people. Do not envy the gift of other people. God gave you your gift, your gifts, not the gift of your good friend. And God wants to use you uniquely. No gift envy. Number two, put your gift to work lest it die. I think a lot of people, they take their gift and they put it on that top shelf in their closet and they close the closet door and they say, well, doggone it, I'm too busy right now. My kids are too young. Uh, I'm approaching retirement and I've got to, I've got to work on my 401k and, 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 and I'll, I'll do it later. And then they go back to the closet when they're about 75 and they say, oh my gosh, where did I put that thing? No, no. Put your gift to work now. Let God use you now. If you wait for the right time to get busy in, in serving Christ in his kingdom, I, I just can pretty much guarantee you that right time will never come. Paul wrote to his friend Timothy, he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I'm so glad for that last phrase, self-discipline. Practicing our gifts takes work. Don't put your gift on the top shelf of your closet. Third, and I'm done. Encourage gifts in the lives of others around you. Remember? Christ gives gifts to people to enable his people to use their gifts. Most of us in the Christian life will discover our gifts because another brother or sister comes to us and says, I think you'd be good at this. I think God has gifted you in this. You are a part of this process. So Lord, uh, we want to thank you and praise you for these these gifts that you've given to us, for the apostles, prophets, evangelists. Thank you for pastor teachers. Thank you for the elders of this church, for Richie and his faithful and excellent teaching week by week. And Lord, we, these are not our possession. We want to serve you and glorify you in this community. So Lord, teach us, empower us, set us free. In the name of Christ, we say thank you. Amen.
Thank you, brother. Thank you, Reed, so much. Um, what, what an awesome and a powerful message for you and for I uh, here at the well in Ojai. Um, so this is an opportunity that we take each week to, uh, to remember the cost, really. Reed talked about the circle and the cost, the cost that Jesus paid to do everything that Reed just talked about, to, to gift you to gift me, to gift all of us for the purpose of equipping one another for the work of God here in Ojai and here on the earth. So this is an opportunity for you to, uh, if you already have the elements prepared or you don't, you can run and get them real quickly. But we're going to move into a time of worship. And during this time, uh, take that opportunity to uh, take communion, to just remember the work that Christ has done Uh, that has resulted in us being his body, being his church. So enjoy the Lord's Supper as we worship together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Him. 
gifting that he has given you can be used today, can be used this week to equip those around you, to equip your friends, those in your family, those that you see. Um, How can you use the gifting that Christ paid with his life for to build up his body? So I really ask you to take that seriously and make that really personal and spend time really kind of mulling and considering and praying about that this week. So again, just thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll be here next week. And uh, I just, uh, I, you know, we are so happy to pray with you and pray for you. If you have anything that we can pray for you about, please contact one of us or email the church's uh, prayer um, email address. Uh, we'd love to pray for you during the course of the week. And I want to just uh, leave you with this um, couple of verses out of 1 Thessalonians 5. It's just a way to end our time together. Paul says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because he who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Have a wonderful week in the name of Jesus.